Welcome to another edition of the Winner Winner podcast for Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. I am one of your hosts, Arjuna. And I'm your other host, trying to hold it in here, Robin. <laughs> and yeah, it's time for another show. So, you know, crack open a cold one and kick back, get relaxed. I literally just grabbed a cold one. Dude. <laughs> yes. No, no episode of the show will ever be the same. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us for another week. This is episode number 17. And like a wine, it just keeps getting better with time. <laughs> uh, today we've got kind of a grab bag of things for you. There are just, Robin, there are so many fucking current events in this I game. Know. It's overwhelming. This week, it, it's like some days we've, or some weeks we'll go by and it's like, all right, yeah, same old game. And this week there's just a, t- a torrent. Yeah. So a lot of fun stuff to cover. Yeah, so as usual, it's kind of messing up our plans, the best laid plans of Robin and Arjuna. So yeah, um, yeah, we'll just be going over a number of topics, including uh, we have some exciting Discord updates, and uh, we're going to be talking about the new event mode that's been added to the PC version of the game. We're going to be talking about some patch notes. We're going to be talking about the mobile version of the game, which is big deal. Everyone's yeah, that been, just dropped like yeah. totally unexpectedly this week. Totally. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, strap yourself in and get ready. Uh, first things first, we'll start off with some Patreon shout-outs. And this week we had Everett, a.k.a. XX Tabasco XX, uh, become a donating member. Thank you so much, Everett. And Everett has been streaming on Mixer, and you can find him at mixer.com forward slash XX Tabasco XX. And he's a really cool guy. I forgot to mention him in our streamer roundup that we did a few weeks ago. So just wanted to plug his stream. Go check him out. He's an Xbox streamer. And um, this also kicks off the first... uh, It's a first time we're ever going to do this segment. And it's going to be a weekly segment. So I'm excited to introduce the Patreon question of the week. So what this is, is we have some supporting members on our Patreon and um, we've been looking for ways to kind of give them benefits for being members. And this is one of the first things that we've thought of. So uh, when you become a member of the show, you get entered into our special members lobby in our Discord and you can submit questions of the week and if if we select your question we'll read it on the show and we'll answer it so this is just a great way to you know get a little extra benefit out of your membership yeah i love this and we already got one didn't we yep we did we did all right why don't you go ahead and read this and uh, tell us who posted it robin all right so it's kind of a long one and it looks like it was posted by nova beyond um or we'll call him patrick And Patrick says, so my question has multiple levels. Some weapons have a slot to attach a compensator, suppressor, and flash hider. When is the best time to use each barrel attachment? Early, mid-game, long-range, early game or end game? And finally, if I should be lucky to have multiple barrel attachments, should I hold on to those and switch out depending on how the game unfolds? Keep up the great work, guys. So this is... Um, yeah, this is a very good question. And I guess Excellent question. we should just go over really quick what there's only three, right? There's compensators, flash hiders, and suppressors for mm-hmm. barrel attachments. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. I have rules 
about this and maybe maybe a good question is like i i kind of rank them a little bit here where flash hiders are kind of at the bottom and suppressors are at the top and then compensators are in the middle where they're used sometimes but Mm. um how about you like arjuna when would you use a flash hider like yeah so i would use a flash hider if i had nothing else basically mm -hmm. um exactly what i was gonna say yeah yeah (laughs) It does. It gives you a very small um, accuracy boost, and it, it gives you a, like a moderate flash reduction. But now, here's here's the bitch about this: is that you would assume that the flash hider hides the flash, it doesn't? But it uh, doesn't. It's yeah. and actually, the attachment that completely hides the flash is the suppressor. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a that was kind of an upset realization for me. I, I had always been thinking like, okay, I'll use the suppressor to silence my weapon. I'll use the flash hider to hide the flash, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's how it's supposed to work. But no, in reality, a suppressor is like, a suppressor actually hides all of the flash of the weapon, and it also drastically reduces the volume of the weapon. Mm-hmm. So um, a suppressor, guys, is just 100% better than a flash hider in every way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's that like you said totally covers the flash and then the sound suppression as a rule of thumb i think of it as like a 30 percent reduction in the range of the Mm, sound yeah i think it's even more dramatic for smgs Mm, it goes from like 400 meters being able to hear a gun from 400 meters down to 100 so that's a fourfold (laughs) reduction which is pretty bizarre yeah pistols are like damn near impossible to hear so right yeah and another thing is that the even though the suppressor reduces the volume of the gun, it also makes it harder to place the sound. So I don't know quite how the game devs have implemented this, but but the locationality of the sound is reduced as well with the suppressor. Mm-hmm. So that's a good mm-hmm. thing to know. Hmm. What do you mean by the locationality? So okay, so when you hear a, sh- a gunshot in the game, there's the directional sound of the game pinpoints it for you and plays it in your speakers mm-hmm. or your headphones. Mm-hmm. And when you have a suppressor, the game actually, it kind of fuzzies that a little bit. And the further away you are, the more it fuzzies Whoa. it. And so okay. it, it it's actually just makes it harder to know exactly where it's I coming see. from. It makes the, the location, like the stereo effect is going to be um, less dramatic. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. That's exactly. really good to know because it, it happens to me all the time when people are shooting at me. And I, I have a hard enough time when they don't have a suppressor trying to figure out where they're at. Yeah, totally. But that kind of leaves us with um, the compensator, which for the AR... Actually, the, just a couple more things about the suppressor. Um, the sound range for most SRs is 1,000 meters. Mm, and right. suppressing it brings it only down to 750. And then the AR, you can hear it at 750 meters, and the suppressor brings it down to about 500. Mm. And so these things get less and less important the smaller the circle gets because people are going to hear you either way if you're within that distance. um, True. The point is really to just limit who around the map can hear you. And once the map gets small enough, uh, especially for an AR, you want to switch to the compensator, or if you're just close range and you need that recoil control, compensator is definitely the, the way to go. So you asked about um, holding on to multiple barrel attachments, and the suppressor and the compensator are definitely worth holding on to both of them mm. if you have the room. Yeah. And then very end game, if the circle's tiny, if, and you don't have room for some reason, you could just ditch the suppressor, basically. You can throw it in a bush. 
Yeah, it's a good point. And I think it really, part of it comes down to your play style and what your preference is. So like if you like bush camping, for example, or if you like proning in the grass, then keeping that silencer until the end game, you know, all the way through the end game can be good because someone might actually not be able to see the flash of your exactly. weapon, yep. right? So that that's something to consider. Um, I think other things to consider are like if you if you like tapping a lot, let's say using an M16, then a silencer is just going to be a better weapon in general. Uh, if you do a lot of full auto, then the compensator is going to be your friend. And if like if you have an AK, for example, you mm -hmm. might just choose to leave the compensator on at the whole game yeah. because you don't want to sacrifice that accuracy for the silence. So yeah, part of it really comes down to play style for sure. Mm -hmm. Good question. Um, I yeah, I used to just always prefer the silencer, the suppressor, but more lately I've been running more and more with the compensator. And maybe part of that is that I've been playing in squads a lot more. And the more people you have on your team, the less helpful the silencer is going to be. Because number one, your whole team is pretty easy to spot, even if you're trying to be sneaky. Mm. And number two, you're much more likely to get in situations where you just want your whole team firing at someone. And it's really unlikely that you're all going to have suppressors. So, you know, that's something to consider as well. It's It can be good, like in a squad, if you have a silencer, it can be good for... Oh, I saw someone and I'm going to take some pot shots because I'm silenced and the rest of you guys chill out and don't shoot. You can do that. But I just think the overall usefulness of the suppressor goes up when you're in duos and it goes up even more when you're in solos. Great question, Patrick. And this little special segment can be yours for the price of a small monthly donation in our Patreon. So that's just another plug for the Patreon. All right. Do we, can we talk about the custom server now? Yes. All right. So... PUBG just opened up applications for getting your own custom server. Custom server access is, they're now taking applications for it. And Winner Winner Podcast, me and Arjuna have applied. And I never thought we'd get to this point where we thought about having our own custom server, but here we are. And um, so I just want to say that a big factor that goes into this is the size of the community. And so uh, whatever you're doing right now, if you have your hands free, I would encourage you to pick up your phone or go to your computer and join our Discord. Because if we get this Discord up um, and just a little bit more active than it is and show that we have engaged members, um, and we do currently, but we, you know, having more is gonna help with this, um, then yeah, definitely join our Discord. So where can they do that again, Arjuna? Yeah, so uh, we're gonna put a link to it in the show notes and then you can find it on our website which is winnerpodcast.podbean.com. It's several places on our website. So if you go looking for it, you'll find it. But show notes is the easiest place. Mm -hmm. And so if we get this, you guys get it. Um, because if you're on our Discord and we're running custom servers, uh, you guys are in. And so I really look forward to that and listening to you guys and seeing what kinds of custom games you want to see. So I'm just super stoked about this and hope, uh, hope we get it. Yeah, so I just wanted to underscore how much bigger the world of PUBG becomes when you have custom server access. Mm -hmm. So for example, you can do things like play with squad sizes up to 10 players in a squad, which is mayhem. Mm -hmm. You can change the amount of loot spawns. So like Robin and I have played game modes with two times or three times rifle spawns, which mm -hmm. is really fun. 
You can do things like change the number of drops. You can do things like pistols only or Winchester only servers.、Mm-hmm. And you can do derbies where it's all about vehicles. I mean, you can just, the sky's the limit.、Yeah. And so, for those of us who play this game a lot and have probably gotten sick of, you know, already gotten sick of the maps and the regular game modes, it's just like a whole new lease on the game.、Mm-hmm. So, And, and so, if you guys help us to get this, then you get to benefit from that access as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, if you play with people regularly, but you're used to playing in your own server, and that's totally cool, of course. But if you just go ahead and invite those people to our server and play a few games on our Discord, it、mm-hmm. just greatly increases the likelihood that we all get to play custom games. Yeah, exactly. And we won't hold it against you. If you guys join up with our Discord and you just wait for us to get those custom games, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but we'd love to have you guys、us. too. You know, we've been playing a lot with our Discord members lately. It's been a blast. Yeah.、So. It's been really good. So, yeah, it's also like if you want to play in an eight person squad, which we're going to talk about a little later on, then having those extra folks in Discord can really help you fill out your squads as well.、Mm-hmm. So, anyway, we, don't, we try not to push our stuff too much on this show, but this is just like a moment where we really need to rally the troops. Right, exactly.、Yep. Yeah, this could be good. Cool. All right.、Um, so, we did Scopes last episode and we just wanted to add a couple follow up notes. You wouldn't think we'd have to because we covered them for like 45 minutes, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> There's things I kept thinking about and Arjuna kept thinking about things.、Yeah. And th- we're just going to add some quick notes here、um, on those. And so, I believe we just were talking yesterday, Arjuna, about the Hollow and Red Dot versus 2X. I can't remember how this came up. Yeah. Well, so after that episode, I'd been doing some experimentation and I was broadening my horizons a little bit. And I was playing this game where it was a duo and it was a final circle on Erangel.、Mm-hmm. And it was one of these classic, like, hillside circles and there's just trees everywhere. And you're just running around trying to shoot people behind trees. And. I had this face off with someone at medium range, and I was using my holographic sights on my scar. And I, was, I just couldn't quite get all the shots landed on them that I needed to. And actually, this kind of burned me up because when I went back and watched the replay, my, I hit their pan twice.、Aye. And they were facing me too.、No. They were looking right at me. <laughs> It like curved around their hip a little. Yeah, exactly. So I had two, <laughs> two pan shots, folks. So anyway. But I just had this light bulb moment where I was like, why wasn't I using my 2X?、Mm-hmm. Because I had a 2X scope in, in my inventory. But I'm so conditioned to just thinking, oh, okay, I use my hollow or my red dot for close range and I use my 4X for long range. And it just really got me thinking about the 2X scope a little bit more and just how versatile it is.、Mm-hmm. And especially now that they've improved it, I just. I think the value of this scope has gone up massively.、Mm-hmm. And I'm, I really should have been using it that game. And I think that there are a lot of situations in PUBG in which the two time scope is actually the best scope to have equipped.、Mm-hmm. And it's basically, you know, like you can slap it on your rifle just about, you know, anytime you're running through a field or, yeah, running through a forest. If you're in a situation where you really don't know when your next engagement is going to be, I think on average your two time scope is actually going to be more useful than your Holloway or Red Dot.、Mm-hmm. Now, of course, if you're doing like a house breach 
if you're doing any kind of indoors combat or you're if someone's like right over the crest of the hill something like that and you have a full auto gun then that red dot or hollow is definitely going to be a better option for you but i just think like for your for your kind of don't know where people are running around mm -hmm. scope where you might just need to engage someone at any distance yeah i really think the two times scope is a great choice yeah good yeah, yeah. i i agree it's i think exactly the only caveat is like hallways and really close quarter stuff using the red dots but yeah um mostly because the aim down sight modifier is just a little faster for the hollow and red dot that's versus true the 2x, but, that's a good point um yeah the hollow and the red dot come up about 10 percent faster mm -hmm. so that's true um all right so oh yeah i was gonna say about the hollow and red dot that I think that people who are still getting used to good sighting technique, which I think holding your breath at anything beyond 20 feet is good practice. Mm. Um, even if they're, if they're out in the open and you're not trying to steady a scope, holding your breath is going to um, reduce the spread modifier by 50%. If you're holding your breath with a 2x, there's no visible difference. But if you hold your breath with the red dot or hollow, you get that zoom effect. And so it kind of trains you um to use it i think it, it trains you to hold your breath to use a hollow or red dot and so i recommend um people who are still trying to learn good habits um to use a hollow or red dot um even over the 2x for most situations and then once they get mm. used to holding shift or whatever it is on the xbox to hold breath yeah i would recommend that mm. yeah and i just i wanted to repeat what you said that that shift modifier is a 50 percent reduction in spread yep that's huge. It's insane. It's it's, it's way more of a benefit than you're going to get from any of the attachments, I believe. Mm, and mm -hmm, so just mm -hmm. that, that's a behavioral thing that you can't pick up on the map. You just have to train yourself to do it. Yeah. So forget yeah. looting, get good habits. Yeah. And a thing to know with holding breath too is hold it while you're shooting and release it as soon as you're done shooting because it runs out quickly mm. and you want to have it when you need it. Oh, God, that, my favorite thing is when people will hold their breath and then they don't have any breath and they'll jump, they'll happen to be by water and they yeah. try to escape or they'll go into the water and they'll instantly drown. <laughs> if you hold your breath and then you, you run out of your lung capacity and you go into the water, you die. Oh, Actually, no, wait. Harsh. No, it's well, chunking your health. Yeah, your health so goes really it, quickly. It's, in a, it's a kind of a perfect storm. If you have low yeah. health, run out of breath and go into the water, you can yeah. die. And then someone's <laughs> shooting at you. Yeah, you die pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Shall we move on to our next topic here? Yeah, it looks like, uh, God, so we did parachuting. That was, what, two or three episodes ago? Yeah, it was a little while back. So, yeah, we had a, a listener on Reddit called I Finance Igloos. Just happens to be like a total math whiz. And I really have to say, Robin, he, he won up to you here. He definitely did. He, I think he too up to you. <laughs> so he, he was examining the notion of when should you drop out of the plane like should you drop right at the closest point when the plane flies to where you want to go or should you drop early mm -hmm. so he did some napkin math which turned into like high powered 
a PDF math and he's got a diagram and a few pages of like intense mathematical calculations. And he has proven somewhat definitively that jumping a little bit early is the correct thing to do in this game. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to read this whole proof for you. I think if you're interested in this, what I would recommend doing is go to our subreddit. And he made a post called Parachute Timing Math. And you can just look at it right on there. And again, his name is iFinance Igloos. Right. And if, if you're into math, this is especially interesting for you. So thanks for that. Um, and math students, go check it out. Cool. All right. Uh, another quick announcement I wanted to make. We had one of our members, uh, I believe it was uh, VLP3, in our Discord mention that he's been playing this game on GeForce Now, which is in free open beta. And what this is, I've seen a few companies do this in the past, but I have a feeling that NVIDIA is going to be the first one to do it properly. And what it is, is uh, it allows you to play the game remotely on NVIDIA's servers and they stream the gameplay to your PC. That is wild to me. I know. This is the kind of thing, like, I've been PC gaming since the 90s. And back in the day, that just sounded like the future. It sounded like androids and artificial intelligence to me Mm -hmm. and now here it is Mm -hmm. so what this allows you to do is any pc that has sufficient power to stream video uh you know like if you're watching youtube videos at 1080p you can turn around and play PUBG on your pc and for the price of at the moment it's free and you have just a little extra lag introduced because you know it's it's just kind of impossible to imagine that it wouldn't introduce extra lag. Mm-hmm. But they seem like they've done a really good job of combating that somehow. That's amazing to me, because this is it's introducing uh, one more network connection into the equation. Usually the typical setup is you, you have your game on your computer, the client, and you do actions, and those actions are sent over the network to a server, and the server's state is updated, and then that's sent out to the other players. And in this case... The game is running on NVIDIA servers. No, no. So the client, I should say, is running on NVIDIA servers. Mm, right. And you're sending user input over the internet to the NVIDIA computer that the game's running on. And then that client grabs it, sends it to the PUBG server. And then that updates the game. So there's two, instead of one network connection directly from us to the server, PUBG server, there's you have to get to NVIDIA over the internet and then NVIDIA over the internet over to PUBG server. That's <laughs> like, whoa, hopefully yeah. you're uh, somewhere where you have fast internet. Or if you're just good at seeing like half a second into the future, <laughs> then this is a really good option for you. What yeah. I'm wondering about is if there's a lag for user input. I mean, I'm, not even, game state is one question. That's a yeah. question for any online game. But the, mm-hmm. the big question here is when I hit jump, how long do I have to wait before I see my player move up into the air? Yeah, that's and an excellent it, it, it's an excellent question. If it's noticeable, it sucks, right? I think the answer is that it's better than having the game just perform terribly on your PC, but it's not going to be as good as having the game perform well on your PC. Right. Okay. So, I think that's that's right where this fits in is for those people who have the game is unplayable or almost unplayable on their PC, this allows them the chance to play. You know, we were talking, we've been talking about the Xbox a lot and how ideally it'd be kind of this democratic platform, meaning everyone's on a level playing field. 
And I think this actually has mm. a lot of potential for that. Mm. Um, yes. While offering a, a really high quality um, performance experience. Um, right. As long as the network thing is, is figured out. But yeah. as internet gets stronger, this is only going to get more and more viable. Exactly. This yeah. this may be the way that we're playing PC games in the future. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about this. I'm excited that a big company like NVIDIA is taking this on. So this is also, you know, if you're one of those people who plays this on the Xbox and you've been curious about playing it on the PC, but your PC isn't powerful enough, maybe just fire it up. I mean, it's free. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty rad. Yeah. And let us know how it goes. I'm, I want, I'm curious. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Xbox, let's move up to uh, uh, patch notes. So Xbox patch number 11 was just released, and it sounds like this patch was maybe small in, in some ways, but it had some noticeable improvements. So we've had some players in our Discord report that it's definitely running a little smoother okay. on the Xbox, which is nice. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it seemed like mostly a performance update. There are some graphics... Uh, improvements, some performance improvements. A couple of the main points I took away from reading through it was that um, the improved selection of weapon slots and attachments, and that players can change the focus and selection by using the D-pad now in the inventory menu, so that seems nice. Uh, Quick scrolling has been added to inventory by using the left trigger and right trigger buttons, and a counter has been added to show the number of players remaining on the airplane, which is something we've we've seen a similar like little mm. seating diagram on the PC for a little while, which is kind of right. cool. I like don't really pay that much attention to it to be honest, but it's kind of cool to see. Totally. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then uh, moving over to the PC patch here, um, they've actually they've made some pretty exciting changes to they're rolling out some features that have exciting implications on the PC and. The big one here is they're doing weekly events. Mm-hmm. And so what this is doing is that they're rotating out custom game modes that all players can have access to. I love this. This is just so cool. It was, I, I was so jazzed last night because they rolled this out on the test servers last night already. And the game mode that they rolled out was eight player squads and double the rifle spawns. Which is like pretty modest, right? It's a pretty small change, but the yeah. person squad thing is something we've been kind of biting at the chomp or, or chomping at the bit for. <laughs> yeah, we've been biting at the chomp. <laughs> biting at the chomp. <laughs> yeah. Um, because we always have we have a lot of people we play with, and we're always yeah. having to split up into different squads, and um, so it was. It, they still didn't allow um, forming squads in the lobby past oh, so play, past four players, which is like what? So oh, you guys almost did this right. Yeah, um, but it actually worked out because we just had a Discord with eight people in it, and we coordinated coordinated starting the matchmaking at the same time. And for two games in a row, at the end of the night, um, before I stopped playing, we all eight of us got into the same squad yeah in in the game and so it was really fun it's just it's so different playing with eight people um, uh it's amazing yeah and we have some good players so it was, it was pretty well coordinated and yeah we even yeah. got a chicken dinner the first time we did it so. first time there you go amazing Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit. We wanted to just dive into some dynamics of playing with larger squads because by now I think most of us have done the typical solos, duos, four-person squad and got a feel for that. When you have eight people, it's a whole different game. 
And the first thing that I noticed was that it seemed like there were less engagements early in the game because people are really trying to stake out, like, you know, how can I control this entire side of town? Or how can I drop somewhere that's going to get my entire team looted? Mm -hmm. So this just pushes people towards big city matters. So people are landing in Yasnaya and Georgiapol, Primorsk, Pachinki, military base. Mm -hmm. You're not going to see that many people landing at, like, the mansion or the prison right or you know even like bunkers yeah yeah bunker exactly it's just not gonna loot up eight people right even milta milta is like just barely viable <laughs> it's uh, pushing like, it. and like razak i was thinking like eh, razak might be a little bit too small for this i guess with yeah. double rifle spawns it's still like somewhat doable but i would mm -hmm. never go to school with no on this with eight people on my squad <laughs> maybe yeah. like split up between school and razak i could see but could be um, yeah exactly but it's kind of like you know uh with chess right like chess is really complicated and there's a lot of different iterations because of the number of, of players and moves you can make and i feel like this this these larger squads the strategic implications and the tactical mm. implications are are pretty broad mm, um and it, it really opens up the game yeah um like when i first heard about it i was thinking it would make sense to do two four-person um units and you might have like a, a squad leader for each one and those the squad leaders would coordinate. Um, and then last night I was like, well, wait, why don't you just do like the buddy system, like four pairs who are working together. And there's just like so many different takes on this you could do, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I'll tell you what doesn't work is having all eight people yelling at each other at once <laughs> yeah. and trying to figure out game plans like right. that. It forces so. you, to, this forces you to get a little bit organized, which not everyone's into you know yeah yeah so it's definitely uh, you can kind of get away with not having it in four person squads sometimes uh i mean granted you're gonna win less but you mm -hmm. can get away with it but there's just no way in eight person squads you're gonna do it mm -hmm. so i mean just getting vehicles for everyone is a pain in the ass yeah so so yeah, yeah we i remember we had some thoughts uh when we first heard about this arjuna yeah um about kind of communication strategies that might work and so i kind of just wanted to go over those really quick like um so the two squad thing is a good idea having two um squads of four players each and even splitting those two squads into different discords so there's not yes. as much um verbal interference between the squads and having um oh man what was what was our solution for having the squad leaders communicate is it just push to talk or yeah so exactly this is what you can do is you have it where you have the two teams the two four persons in different discords and then your team leaders are each leading their own team and then anyone anytime someone needs to communicate with the other four people you use your push to talk and then everyone on the team hears it right and that's in-game push to talk so right. not related to discord Right. right, and so this is a way, this is just a really cool way that you can use to kind of subdivide your communication. And it's really, the implications of that are really exciting because you can have two teams that are fighting two very different kinds of fights and then periodically syncing up to make sure that you guys are all working towards the same large game plan. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Now... I think we always imagine that every game we all survive till the end, which of course doesn't happen. 
And no. so the one drawback to this that I can think of is one squad might get whittled down to one or two players, or maybe both of them are. And at that point, you might want to just, you know, reform the squad. And people yeah. would might have to alt-tab out of the game and um, join the same Discord so that they could talk to each other more easily. So Right. Yeah. But this, it just gives you so many interesting options. Like, for example, we haven't had this yet on Miramar, but if you have a larger squad on Miramar, you have a lot of options. Like, for example, you, can, you could have half of your squad post up on a hill sniping, and you could have the rest of your squad kind of flanking down at the base of the hill and doing a, a more of a close mm-hmm. quarters kind of a combat. Right, right. Or imagine this. Imagine being in Los Leones and you have half of your team like on those high construction sites or in apartment buildings and all they're doing is hanging out, spotting and waiting to snipe. And then you have the rest of your team down in the city moving around as a dynamic unit. And it's just... I think it just really brings these kind of larger and more military-style tactics into focus. And it just gives you Mm -hmm. so much more to work with, which is exciting. Right. Gosh, it almost reminds me of, like, in Rainbow Six, you have um, basically campers and roamers. I can't Mm. remember if camper's the right term. But it's kind of... I feel like I'm thinking of it similar here, where you have people who are kind of holding down high ground or holding down a certain strategic building, and then there's other people who are, are working in conjunction with that position and trying to get flanks. Um, I Yeah, I always imagined being a flanker. That's, like, fun to me. <laughs> Instead of being holed up in a building trying to snipe people. Yeah, to each their own. So there's room for different roles in this, I guess is my point. And kind of figuring out what you want to do and working that into your team is a good thing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And another scenario we talked about, which sounded really fun, is that you could actually have a mock battle. So you could split your eight squad into two four squads and you could pretend to fight each other. And then if someone swoops in thinking that they're going to be cleaning up a squad and then you all turn on them and take them out, mm-hmm. that would be pretty satisfying. <laughs> so that's that's another thing that you could consider doing. Yeah. Yeah. Something I missed... Moving on from the event thing a little bit here was in the release notes. We got I got so excited about event mode that I just stopped reading the notes. But at the bottom of it, they mentioned I, they say that one thing. They say, lastly, we'd like to reveal one of the features that will be included in our next iteration. End sentence. And then they have a picture of the flare gun. And mm-hmm. so the flare gun, of course, has already been available in custom servers, and it looks like. I'm deducing from this that they mean they're going to introduce it to the main game. That's amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. In custom servers, it's been spawning in predetermined locations. It's not random. And Mm. so I'm really curious uh, what they're going to do with that, if they're going to have it be random. I would prefer it be random, Yeah, me too. But we'll see what they do. It would be great if you could only get it from a crate. Mm. (laughs) Wow. Double the risk, double the reward, man. Wouldn't it just have it be in every crate? You in every every like crate. Location that has yeah, 10 exactly. <laughs> so we didn't really cover this on our previous episode, did we, about the flare gun? Let's, let's just describe it briefly. I mean, probably everyone knows it by now. Yeah. But basically, the flare gun allows you to call in another airdrop. And the airdrop is typically, it holds a, uh, two weapons and then like a silencer 
So it's not your regular drop. It's not going to have armor. It's not going to have med kits, backpacks, anything like that. It's just going to be two weapons and possibly a silencer. And it's so the way what you do is you shoot your flare up into the air. And then the plane will drop the package where you shot the flare. And then the, the flare is, is highly visible and it makes a noise too. And so basically you're announcing to everyone on the map, hey guys, in about a minute, there's going to be a crate dropping here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's- and this noise cannot be overstated. It is a really loud whistle. Mm-hmm. And I believe it can be heard across the map. And the flare will linger in the air, this really bright beacon, uh, until the plane comes. And then the drop is there, and the drop has three parachutes, so it's even more visible. And it also has a flashing uh, whitish-yellow beacon on the bottom of it as it's coming down. Mm-hmm. And so like everything about this is just screaming, like, come get me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A few other things to note is that this weapon does no damage to other players, so don't try to shoot someone else with it. I was really disappointed about that. Yeah, me too, you man. Know? I wanted to light someone on fire. Like, I could see some someone being cocky and ending up with, like, an extra flare gun and getting a chicken dinner with it or something <laughs> like that, you know? Um, maybe they'll change that in the future. Uh, I know in, there's a flare gun in Battlefield um, 1, I guess mm. it is, and that actually hurts people. Mm, okay. But anyway, um, yeah. So I could see us focusing on this flare gun more in the future when we know more about it. I think right. it opens up some interesting questions. I know if you shoot it at the ground, it doesn't call the plane. You have right. to shoot it up in the air. Exactly. But up in the air, like, what does that mean? I I still have questions about that. Mm. I I mean, perfectly vertical is clear. But what if you're five degrees less than vertical? Um, what if you're 20? What if you're 30 degrees less? Like, what if you shoot it at 45 degrees? Does that call it? And, like, this this comes into play because you, you might get it somewhere not close to the next circle, right? Mm, right. And you want to call it in as soon as you can. And let's say you want it to fall in the next circle where you're heading. Uh, where do you shoot the gun? You know, so mm. there's questions like this that I, I want to figure out. Yeah, um, it's very relevant. Sounds like we'll be able to do it soon, but... Yeah, especially since, think about the tactical implications of this, you know, like baiting, for example. Yes. You, you yep. know, like, if, if you really want to play mind games with people, you can be careful about where you shoot this and where you position yourself afterwards. Right. So, and, and, a lot of implications. Right. And how precise is it? If you shoot it yeah. straight up from a location, is that drop going to land right on your feet? Like, right where you dropped it from, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or is there a little bit of air in mm-hmm. there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we'll have to. We'll just have to see what happens when they actually roll this out. Mm-hmm. But I'm super stoked. All right, Robin. So uh, I think it's time to transition into. Uh, PUBG mobile topic. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so this came out, and we didn't know it was going to come out, and I just saw it on Reddit or something, and it was, like, pretty exciting, but I was also a little confused. 
about it and knew that I should probably play it because of our podcast and we we try to keep our listeners abreast of what's going on and at the same time was dreading having to try to play this game yeah me too dude (laughs) Robin had to talk me into it (laughs) so we did do our homework we're very dedicated to you guys and we we all uh, me and our Juno and our housemate Tim all downloaded it last night on our phones and tried it out and um i think we only did one round but yeah yeah it was really hard but surprisingly functional yeah they did such a i mean considering you're playing PUBG on your phone yeah they did about as good of a job as i could imagine mm-hmm. the the disparity between how good this is in its first version versus how shitty this game's been in its first version on the xbox or the pc mm-hmm. was notable right yeah. And, you know, we had, like, I saw a tweet from Shroud where he was like, you know, why is the why is the menu UI currently better on the mobile version than it is on the PC version? Oh, yeah. And he's got a point, man. He's got a point. I wonder what, what part of the menu he was thinking of. There's a lot of UI on the phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's it's it worked pretty well. I think that people who are used to playing games like this on their phone or just more complex games on their phone it might come more easily mm. i personally haven't done a lot of gaming on my phone and so using my screen as a game interface isn't really super intuitive t- to me um i tend to play games that require just like a few touch inputs and that's it it's interesting because it's configured spatially a little bit like how an xbox controller is right so mm. yeah you have a joystick on the screen on your left which is your left thumb would use that to move your player and then on the right you can touch anywhere on the screen i think it's anywhere past like the left third and Mm -hmm. you'll be changing how your player is looking but you do a lot of things with your right thumb and so it's really hard to be looking around and doing something else at the same time for example shooting shooting is also on the right and so I was finding I would have to line up my shots with my thumb and then move it to the shoot button and hit that or hold it. And it was really tricky. And then if you want to adjust your aim, you just have to strafe into position. And so <laughs> you have to kind of like line up vertically with where your target is. And if your target starts to move, you just strafe and keep shooting and, and try to like keep up with the aim that way. But well, or you stop moving and you start moving your mouse, right? Your quote-unquote play where you're looking with your left thumb. Right. So that's a way to do it, I, too. Did you do that much? I didn't because I suck. Okay. I think I, I think it. Tim was probably doing that when he got his eight kills or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I tried it and it didn't work. Mm. I mean, my game was kind of choppy anyway, mm. and so I can't mm-hmm. really tell what was just my phone being slow and, and choppy yeah. versus the, the game itself. But mm-hmm. um, just yeah. a note, when we, Arjun and I both, when we downloaded it on our phones, it set our graphics to low. And so we don't have top-of-the-line phones. Um, nah. And they're like medium size. So, you know, someone who has a larger phone that's really fast, this might be, might work out better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also couldn't download it on my tablet. So I'm curious if they're going to make a tablet version. Mm. It'd be interesting. So a funny thing to me about this game was that they basically recreated Erangel, but the buildings are different. And I think they did a good job with this. The interiors are much simpler. Mm-hmm. So it's really like they're just 
boxes full of loot with mm-hmm. very little else to them, mm-hmm. which is a, it's a wise choice because you just who wants to have to navigate all that shit? Right. We forgot to mention auto looting. Yeah, auto looting is amazing. It's pretty cool. Right? Yeah, because all you and it's really I think necessary for the mobile platform. Mm-hmm. So you just walk over loot and you pick it up automatically if you have room. Yeah. And so equipping a backpack, you just walk over it. Let's say you have a level two backpack and you walk over a level one. It's smart enough to know it shouldn't pick up the level one. And it does have some kind of built-in hierarchy to decide if you have something that should be replaced by something you pick up. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how far that goes, but I know that... I I mean, have you seen, like, say, shotgun get replaced by ARs or anything like that, Arjuna? Or did you have to choose... Was it yeah. like if it's an empty slot, it'll go in? Otherwise, yeah, it, it does seem to have a fairly good, you know, like it, it thinks that an SKS is better than a pump action shotgun and it'll automatically okay. replace that for you, which I like because I agree with that mm-hmm. estimation. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that, you know, for certain people with certain preferences, it's going to drive you nuts. Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminds me of like we were talking about Unreal Tournament or a lot of other shooters in the past where you could actually set your weapon hierarchy. So Mm. like what you would pick up versus what you wouldn't or what it would switch you to if you picked it up. Yep. That would be brilliant if you did that. Yeah, and, and so it, it, this brings up a thing that some of our Xbox players were saying, which I think is a general sentiment, is like, why is this game already better in some ways on mobile than it is on Xbox? Because <laughs> I really do, you know, looting's hard on the Xbox. Mm-hmm. And I really think that if they introduced this, and especially if they had it as a toggle option like they do on mobile, you know, you could just decide, like, do I want to be an auto-loot kind of a player or not? And I think it would really solve a lot of the problems on the platform. So, yeah, there's some really cool stuff that they've done as far as, like, prioritizing loot. They've done a good job of rearranging the loot list to put higher priority items towards the top. And it just seems like they've made some really sensible UI decisions that could really benefit the Xbox platform. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's just that you know, they want Xbox to be more of a hard mode experience. Like, I doubt any of that stuff's ever going to come to the PC. Mm-hmm. But I I personally, it would make my experience on the Xbox a lot more interesting. So, um, yeah, and I pose that question to you, listeners. What do you think? Do you think that the Xbox needs some of these kind of auto usability features added to it or do you think that that would just dumb the game down too much Mm -hmm. i'd be really curious to know that from you i know for the pc i would prefer to loot manually Mm, yeah because it's just an engaging part of the game as weird as that sounds i like to loot (laughs) i like like running around houses and looking at what's there and like like having to like you watch people like shroud and you realize that looting is a skill and that there's quick and efficient ways to do it and you have to be mentally quick to assess what you need and what you don't and mm-hmm. um so i like that i like that part of the game i find i think the game would be more boring if you could mm-hmm. auto do it automatically so um yeah so PUBG mobile so for those of you who spend all day on your phone and then only get off your phone to get on your computer to play PUBG? you no longer have to do that you can just stay on your phone and play PUBG, so you can be on your phone all day now. <laughs> totally. Uh, actually, and heck, maybe um, 
maybe they'll even do the NVIDIA thing through your phone someday, so you'll actually have a full experience. Oh, holy shit. Wow. Maybe you'll even be able to talk to your phone, you know? Like, over there, get him, get him. Shoot, shoot, shoot. (laughs) Siri, kill that guy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Behind the tree. (laughs) That'd be great. Yeah. So, um, a lot of people are already getting chicken dinners on this game, and people speculate that that's because they're a bot. And so it seems to me like you were talking last night about red shirt bots. Uh-huh. So like the players in the game that have red shirts uh, just, you know, they haven't really been customized that much because they are actually bots. And the idea is that you just have to play against a certain number of bots to get used to the game and until you get ranked and then the further you go, the more likely you are to get matched against real players. Which I, I appreciate the mercy that the developers yeah, have. I know. In this regard, because actually I bet the bots are like a little better than I am at PUBG Mobile right now, mm-hmm. based on how I performed last night. But So yeah, it, it, I guess over the course of 10 games, you start out with a high number of bots in your server, and then it, it'll wane you off of them and let you play against entirely other players. Um, so... That's, that's kind of nice because it is a little much to get used to. So ten rounds seems like a, a fair number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What else here? So that kind of covers mobile, right? Yeah, I think that's mobile. Go okay. check it out. It's free. It's fun. Yeah. So something I was looking into that I just wanted to explore for myself and then uh, share with our listeners was I was just curious whether or not leaning affected recoil or spread and based on some very quick experiments I did today, I can say that it doesn't. And so if you were curious, now you know. Um, I'd had a kind of a low sample size to test it, but it looked identical. So let's just clarify this, though. Um, So what you're saying is, let's say you're leaning to the right. Mm -hmm. You're wondering, does leaning to the right actually make your weapon recoil in the right direction more? Uh, and, yeah, so there's two questions, right? Yeah. One question is the degree of recoil, mm-hmm. which I didn't notice any change in. And then the other question is whether or not... So when you lean, your weapon actually tilts. And I was wondering if that would force the recoil to actually tilt as well. So right. if you lean right, would your recoil then tilt right to align with the, the vertical axis of the weapon as opposed to the vertical axis in the world? Totally. Right? And it didn't appear to. Okay, that's good Granted, to know. Granted, I was using the AK, which <laughs> has a pretty erratic mm. uh, horizontal component mm. to its recoil. Um, but based on what I was doing today, you can just trust that your your sight, your gun will bounce upward on average. Right, like straight up. Yep, straight yeah. up, world up, not gun up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Dude, we should start giving directions like this in the game. Like, go up, go world up, not gun up. <laughs> You're looking sideways. <laughs> yeah. Pan up, bro, pan up. <laughs> so, yeah, that's good. I actually have wondered that in the back of my mind, not in the frontal lobe part of my mind, but in the reptilian part of my mm-hmm. mind, I have wondered whether that affected my recoil. So now Lizard Arjuna knows. There you go. Yeah. So, speaking of the AK, this transitions well into... uh, We're going to try to do a better job in this show of planning ahead a little bit to give you guys a heads up into what we'll be working on next show. 
And the idea is that hopefully you guys can start thinking about this in your games, and then by the time the next show comes along, we all have a revelation about it. Right. Yeah. Because usually we'll, me and Arjuna will talk about what we want to cover, and then we'll be thinking about it for a whole week, and then we just divulge all of our our insights slash uh, bullshit to you guys at the end of the week, and. <laughs> This gives you guys a chance to think about it for that week as well. So when we talk about it in our show, you guys have already done kind of your own homework and and are wondering, you know, you can see if your insights are the same as ours. Um, So next week, we want to tell you guys our topics and we're going to try to look into the um, to duos, right? The gameplay of duos, the tactics involved in that. Uh, what strategies work well in duos and just what are the particulars of that gameplay that we could be thinking about. And the other is we want to cover the AKM versus the DP-28. Right. So we've already covered the AKM in this show, but we want to, we know that this is often the toss-up, right? Is which one do I drop for the other one? So we're going to go deep into that and tell you exactly which one you should be dropping for which one. <laughs> yeah. Right. And this, we have, we want to do a weekly challenge next week. And the challenge is to get at least one kill via a vehicle explosion with the DP-28. So blow up a car and kill someone. Right. Um, with the DP-28. And this is kind of, you know, it makes sense because the DP-28 has a hard, large magazine, does a lot of damage on vehicles. And so, yeah, get out there and blow up some cars. And uh, if you do it and get a video, maybe share it to our Discord. Yep. So this is another thing we're excited about that we're introducing here is every week we're just going to try to give you guys a little challenge, probably not a big challenge unless you guys prove yourselves worthy. (laughs) And so this is just a little something extra that you can do if you're bored in the game and you're looking for something. And if you're just totally unimpressed with the achievements that they've introduced for this game, then you can start working on your winner-winner achievements. And if you post them in the Discord... Who knows? Maybe we'll oh, give man. you flair for him. I hope we get enough to get a montage someday. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. All right, cool. that is the fastest episode in the history of Winner Winner Podcast. Do you think so? <laughs> I'm not sure about that, Robin. <laughs> let's let's not go making wild claims okay, here. Okay, okay. All right. But it's the fastest episode in the history of our recent memory, so you can count on that. Alright, well, with that, we won't delay any further, and I'll just say I'll see you guys next week. Cool. Catch you guys next week. Bye-bye. So, as always, you can join us on our Discord channel, which we talked about earlier this episode. Please share that with your friends to help us get to our goal of uh, reaching custom server status. That would just be so cool. So you can find that link in our show notes or on our website. And you can, as always, email us at winnerpodcast at gmail.com. We also have a subreddit, which is r forward slash winnerpodcast. And, you know, we also love it if you guys review us on iTunes or subscribe on iTunes. It's a really great way to just keep our name coming up for other people who are searching for podcasts and we read each and every one of those reviews and we really appreciate them so thank you guys so much for doing that we also want to give credit this week and for the last few weeks to gazelles it's a band here in eugene and you can find them at bandcamp at gazelle-s.bandcamp.com 
And also you can find them on, on Facebook at facebook.com slash gazelles. Gazelles is with three S's on that one. So yeah, look them up. Thanks, gazelles. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>